Where the recycle bin sounds really interesting. It sounds like it would be kind of like a, a catch-all for it. But of course, that's primarily just for users and just for accidental deletes. And don't forget, anybody can go into the recycle bin, delete the object. It does delete it anyways after 30 days. So it doesn't really protect us from those malicious actors that go in there and say, basically, you know, I know how this, this works. I've gotten access through a solar winds type of an attack. I'm going to cause maximum damage. I'm going to delete those accounts that I don't want to be able to be able to get back in to recover their systems. I'm going to go into the recycle bin and delete them as well. It's just a quick click. I'd be able to do that. And now you're lost. There's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing that Microsoft can do about that because those objects are now gone forever. Mobile workforces, cloud applications, and digitalization are changing every aspect of the modern enterprise. And with radical transformation come new business risks. Welcome to Hybrid Identity Protection, the premier podcast for cybersecurity pros charged with defending hybrid identity environments. Presented by Semperis, the pioneers of identity-driven cyber resilience for the hybrid enterprise. And now, here's your host, 15-time Microsoft MVP and Active Directory security expert, Sean Duby. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the HIP Podcast. Before we dive in, I'd like to invite you to our annual HIP conference happening virtually on December 1st and December 2nd. This year's conference aims to address the most pressing issues for IT and security experts. We'll focus on hardening enterprise identity systems such as Microsoft Active Directory and Azure Active Directory, protecting backup systems and other critical infrastructure from ransomware attacks, and exploring the latest security practices like passwordless authentication. Registration is now open at hipconf.com. I'd love to see you there. Shifting to Azure Active Directory means you're done with worrying about backups, right? Well, not necessarily. As the cloud service provider for Azure Active Directory, Microsoft is responsible for restoring the service if an outage occurs. But in the case of a cyber disaster, your resources users, groups, services, policies in Azure Active Directory might get wiped out, leaving your organization at a standstill while you scramble to restore these vital pieces under extreme time pressure. Now, how might this happen in real life? Well, the SolarWinds incident is the landmark example. Attackers gained domain dominance in on-premises Active Directory, either via the SolarWinds compromise, which was certainly the most talked about, or the vast majority of compromises through old-fashioned credentials compromise. Once they had that dominance, they compromised Active Directory Federation services, forged SAML tokens from ADFS, Azure AD accepted these trusted tokens, and the threat actors then had Azure AD privileges. So this is, a, this is an attack vector that we all have to be paying attention to. My guest this week is Doug Davis, Senior Product Manager at Sempris, to talk about a security checklist for Azure AD backup and recovery. What is taken care of? What isn't taken care of? What you need to make sure you have to be covered in this area. Hi, Doug. Hey, Sean. Great to be back here again. Yeah, yeah. We're making it a thing. Mm -hmm. um, so as I was saying earlier, it's easy to just assume that all this is taken care of. And it's certainly the <laughs> seeing as how Microsoft presents all of this, you know, you just push a few buttons and all this magic happens. It's easy to assume that it's all taken care of. And if 
it is taken care of if anything happens to the service itself, the Azure Active Directory service, something bad happens on the Microsoft side. But what about the data? Um, what is actually protected in Azure AD in case of unauthorized or unwanted changes to an org's data in the directory, you know, users, groups, whatever. What is protected right now if you don't haven't done anything, as I think most of us have not done anything? Yeah, I think you made a pretty good statement there. You know, there's this very thick barrier between the service and the data. So Microsoft is dedicated and does a fantastic job at making sure that that service that provides all the core functionality of Azure Active Directory is, is maintained. You don't have to worry about you know, back in recovery, the, the data center can have a fire and you might not even know it. You know, they have a lot of robust backend systems to get those services back up. But they're not really aware of what state the data is in and what happens to the data uh, if it gets uh, deleted or changed. So if you take kind of at the core of everything in the director directory are these resource types, and those could be users, groups, roles, conditional po access policies, devices, whatever, whatever they, they may be. Um, there's really not a methodology to uh, or a service within the Azure Directory core services to back those up and uh, return them to a, a particular state. They're basically the state that they are at any given time, and Microsoft just makes sure that you can get to that resource in the current state uh, that, that it is. So what we see a lot of folks that are you know, assuming that they're having some protection just by being part of the Azure technology stack are actually missing the fact that you know, any changes that you make or more importantly, somebody else makes in a malicious manner, uh, those cannot very easily be recovered. Some can't be at all. Some might have a minimal level of protections and those minimal level protections are very, very easily uh, overridden by somebody who's out to, to, uh, to do some pretty serious damage. And, and as you stated, you know, we're seeing more and more of these kind of flow through attacks uh, where people are using various methodologies, tried and trusted uh, tried, and, tried and tested methodologies on the Active Directory side to laterally move up into a Directory directory and then wreak havoc. And uh, some people are unpleasantly surprised that, you know, just because the service is still up and running and has a lot of protections, their data was never protected and, and they really don't have any recourse other than to do some very painful rebuilding exercises. Well, certainly... I, I, in many organizations in the hybrid scenarios, we're talking about a lot of the uh, Azure Active Directory data is populated via Azure AD Connect uh, up in there. And so the, it's easy to make the assumption, well, it'll just all automatically resync when it's, when it's done. But there's a lot up there that is not taken care of. And most organizations have in, and often very important cloud-only accounts, cloud-only configurations that wouldn't be restored. W what can the recycle bin do? We know that Azure Active Directory has a recycle bin. What can it and, and can't it do? Yeah, one of, the, one of the things that's kind of unfortunate about the recycle bin is that it's called the Azure Active Directory recycle bin, but really it's only effective for users. Um, there's very minimal capability of that recycle bin beyond this 30-day window. You know, if, if, if you delete an object uh, within Active Directory, that is a user resource. It'll go into the recycle bin, sit there for 30 days, and you can recover that. But that's not the case in groups, uh, in any other types of resources. Again, anything 
anything that's 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 primarily deployed and created from a cloud first perspective uh, won't go in there. So, for example, if you create custom built role, if, and this is where a lot of those aspects as well, you know, of things that you think would be heavily protected, if you created an, an exchange server distribution group or security group within Office sixty five as a director directory, that's not going to be show up in in the uh, in the recycle bin. So you have this one thing where the recycle bin sounds really interesting and sounds like it would be kind of like a, a catch-all for it. But of course, that's primarily just for users and just for accidental deletes. And don't forget, anybody can go into the recycle bin, delete the object, it just deleted anyways after 30 days. So it doesn't really protect us from those malicious actors that go in there and say, basically, you know, I know how this, this works. I've gotten access through a solar winds type of an attack. I'm going to cause maximum damage. I'm going to delete those accounts that I that I don't want to be able to be able to get back in to recover their systems. I'm going to go into the recycle bin and delete them as well. It's just a quick click uh, to be able to do that. And now you're lost. There's nothing you can do about that. There's nothing that Microsoft can do about that because those objects are now gone forever. And as well, you know, a lot of objects that you also potentially we're, we're using to try and uh, you know keep your, your keep your system running. Uh, primarily, you know the, those uh, security groups, for example, uh, those were never protected. Those would never be in in the recycle bin. So from that perspective, that doesn't really help there at all. So I think the recycle bin is really for you know almost for the administrator who just makes a casual mistake. So you know you have two two Mary Smiths that work for you and you go in, you delete one. And then two minutes later, somebody calls and says, no, 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 that was the wrong account. Okay. I can go to recycle bin, bring it back. Um, and, and, and that scenario is fairly easily covered. Um, but anything that happens after 30 days or anything that happens where somebody goes in and, and, you know, just, uh, wants to wreak havoc and do that, uh, recycle bin doesn't work at all. So if you then take that away, and if you think about all the other aspects that are in active directory itself on the data, direct directory on the data, data side, um, it's very minimal uh, protections really at the, at the recycle bin level. So, so let me step back a second and just sort of restate this. And for those of you that are maybe driving down the road or not paying attention or what have you, this is really important. So what we're talking about is the cloud half of your hybrid identity environment and all of those pieces that control your roles, your SaaS integrations, whatever else you may have done in Azure Active Directory are not protected right now. They're not backed up in case of a malicious attack. Correct. And on top of that as well, any changes as well, you know, can't be can't be restored. So you have that challenge. And then you also have this challenge that if somebody just goes in or again, if, if you kind of make a mistake, one of the worst things is if, if somebody goes in and starts changing group memberships and start and you know, through erroneous information or somebody started making changes without really uh, thinking about it or doing it in a malicious matter. None of that is protected. The, so the recycle bin is really that only layer. And as you stated, it's very minimalistic. And then anything else as well. So one of the things that we often do want to back up and recover from is just changes in configuration. So somebody goes in there and removes names from 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 some of the custom built-in roles, changes group memberships, changes policies. Now, you're not not protected for any of that either. So so while it's true, you don't have to worry about this huge kind of catastrophic failure of the Azure Active Directory system. 
the amount of damage that can be done that Microsoft sort of takes a step back, says, you know, we're not really responsible for that side on the data side, can be substantial and can put you in a real bind and, and, and not allow you to, in any way, form, or shape, get that service up and running the way that you need it to. What should our listeners have protected in case the data is altered or deleted? The example being an attack from below, uh, for at least that's my the way I describe a solar winds type attack. What's the gap? What should be protected? So anything that is intrinsic to the operating of the organization that is data driven. So at a very top level, and, and these things kind of come in gradients of importance, you need to be able to protect your user list. So you need to be able to, to reapply that user list in a timely manner. So, you know, especially for large organizations, anything over one, two, three thousand users can take a long time uh, to, to, to bring that, that information back. You need to maintain your group memberships because that's the spaghetti that holds everything together, all the kind of webs out there that give people access to what they need to do. And you need to have a really good sense of your configuration. So, you know, what are your security settings? What are your policies that are configured? What devices do you have? What are some of the other things that you kind of have that brings us all together? Everything does start with the user resource. So I would say that's probably the most important thing to protect uh, first, but then have a system to at least understand what the configuration of that is. So, you know, you can start with just doing some auditing and, and just having, you know, at least knowing what that is. The worst thing is you're in, you're under a lot of stress. You know, this, this event has happened. You have everybody on your back. You got to get this system up, back up and running. And you go into a Zurich directory and you're kind of just looking at a blank screen. You're saying, oh my God, what conditional access policies did we have? What roles did we even use? Who were in, you know, who were in what particular roles? What was our group approach? You know, all those things should be documented and kind of kept somewhere in, 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 a, in a safe space. So you can at least get started with the recovery and then leverage tools that actually do a backup of these resources and that can bring you back in a lot to quicker time frame as well. The things that are manageable, important, but manageable from a manual viewpoint, like as you mentioned, conditional access policies, most organizations would have a few of them, hopefully not too many of them. And it's not hard to, in a word format, or create a table that says this policy does this applies to this, to these users so that you could manually rebuild it without taking much time. But the larger structures, the groups, the users, that's not the sort of thing that scales very well manually. Is there any way that, you know, we could go out tomorrow and, and get some kind of a, do you simply do an X, go into the Azure AD portal and look into users and do an export to Excel? You can do very much very quickly, list all the users, put them into a, a, a document so that you can actually uh, get those or some AD export tools as well. So you're not left alone. And so from that perspective, you know, there are some things that you can do there as well. Um, and then, like you say, you kind of would break them up into two scales. So there's the ones you can just kind of write down yourself, but anything that's a resource type. So listing out all the users, all the groups, all the all the devices, um, you know, the ones that probably come in buckets of thousands, you know, for a large organization, those you would have to use some export tools. But, to, but for export tools, you have to have some technical knowledge and you need to have a process to be able to do something with them. Having that list. So let's say you, you, you've done that. Um, and, and if you just kind of think about how long it'll take to do that, because there's no input, input, uh, uh, import uh, methodology, uh, you know, you would basically have to print these pages out, bring 
you know, many people as you can into the office. And, and unfortunately, I, I have done this in the past uh, for a couple of cases where, you know, you just have reams and reams of paper and you're typing in people's names and attributes and phone numbers and all the things that you have to do to to uh, recover those because sometimes that's all that you have. And you might, and worse, you might just have, HR might just have a list of, of information that's out there. So it helps because it gives you a starting point, but it's still not automated and you do have to kind of put those processes, you know, around. But but at the, at the end of the day, you know, that's like the minimal amount that you can do, you know, at least have these lists so that if you, you know, have that shock of coming in where all my users are deleted and, and there's nothing else you can do, at least you have something that you can maybe potentially build a process around. But now you're in a lot of stress and you're really not able to do that. And that's where you maybe have to look at a little bit more automation. I, I'm reminded of the Irish uh, National Health Service where they conscripted the army to come in and rebuild PCs. You know, a lot of people, a lot of hands dividing it up to make it to make it work. So there's a takeaway, everybody. Hello. Second thing to pay attention to for this session is run, don't walk to your Azure AD portal and do an export on your users and your groups and whatever else you can reasonably do an export on. Absolutely. There is a little bit of a misconception out there that backup recovery tools aren't needed for a Zurich directory because the service takes care of itself. So they have a little bit of a, of a confusion around them, uh, but you know, definitely they provide a core service. So if you look at you know later in the year, we're going to be bringing out our uh, Zurich Active Directory backup recovery uh, component of our, of our products here at Sempris. What that effectively does is this continual backup of the users, groups, and roles the things that we really need to get back up and running. So if you think about it again, kind of going through the process. So let's kind of break it into like three three organizations. Organization one kind of just assumed dessert took care of everything, not realizing they were services. The data has now been deleted. They have nothing. And and, and literally, yeah, it would sound like you would have to bring in uh, the army or, or even divine intervention to try to get that system back and running because there's just no way of doing that. Or you have group number two that's done the exports of the users, groups, and the roles. And, the, and these they have some tenable data they can do, but still they have to bring in bodies to be able to do that, you know, versus a, a data backup recovery system that basically, they, they, let's say this happened at one o'clock, by 1.30, you can have all those users, all those groups, and all those built-in roles reconstituted so that you can actually get back into your environment and start really cleaning up everything as well. Because don't forget, that's just the first stage. You still need to do all this. And because there are so many services in a Directory, directory, we, we won't know like what applications you had previously registered and what policies you had previously set up. You, know, you would hopefully have these, and these probably will come in gaggles of like five to 10 objects each. You can then start rebuilding those. So if you were to kind of divide it into, let's say we took up some something around the size of the Iris Health Services, you know, that would probably take, you know, if, if you had nothing, it would be weeks at a time. If you had something and you could rebuild it, bring in the army, you take, I think it took them eight days or something to bring it back. Or if you have a tool, you can at least get people back up and running and doing some things probably within hours of this devastating attack happening. People can get to their email, to their team's calls, things like that. At least the organization is still back running. You can slowly bring important services back online as opposed to very slowly trying to bring the core services uh, back online. You start with the core functionality of Azure Active Directory and then some of the 
long-standing integrations like Office 365 would probably be the ones that come back first because that's the integration between Azure AD and Microsoft's own apps. And then the apps and the configurations that you have built out in Azure, which would be much more complicated, would come after that. That would be the kind of the order of operations that I would think would be typical in these types of uh, types of things. And also it means that you could potentially, so if you have a service that relies on a Active directory, like a healthcare system or something like that, you can start rebuilding those right away as well. Because once you have that core directory back, you say, okay, now let's go into this tool that we use for scheduling or whatever. We now have the names and the groups and you probably use groups. So we have a group called organizers or people who can schedule appointments. Boom, they can go back into there and away you go. And and, and also you start, you know, there, there's, this, there's this concept that kind of having a plan and being in control means you don't make mistakes during the recovery as well. So what happens in a lot of these cases, especially when it's something like a like the Colonial Pipeline or the Iris Health Services, or unfortunately, the growing list of companies that have been facing some of these uh, types of outages, you're also doing it in a time of extreme stress and learning as you go. And we all make mistakes. If we're just like, kind of like, okay, this is kind of it's some code I found on the web and I can do this and I can do something with it. I don't really have time to test it, just going to implement it. Next thing you know, you, you hold something else versus having something that's, you know, takes that human error out of there, out of the equation, and you're able to bring things back. And then you also start relaxing a bit more uh, because you have at least the core back and you can, you know, bring the services back online in a more structured fashion. Any IT pro with any experience at all will tell you when it comes to making changes to production, even if it's simple, you always script it out because you never want to wing it. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. There are parallels here again between Active Directory and Azure Active Directory is because at least in Azure Active Directory, you don't have to rebuild the service as you would an on-prem directory where all your domain controllers have been uh, corrupted. But, But you still have the same issues of trust of what's in there and making sure that it's clean and there are no threat actors still inside the directory. And then of course, rebuilding the data again, coming back to the service versus data, which is always a really good way to look at these things and help help keep these two topics segregated. And if you're coming from the Active Directory side, it's the same thing over there. You separate the OS from the data as well. So in an Active Directory, you're very focused on the OS because you own the OS. You know, Microsoft owns the OS or the services now, so you can focus on the data. So at least your job is half of what it was on the Active Directory side. But a lot of people come at it saying, I spent so much time thinking about the OS. I must have to think so much about the OS or the services on the Azure Active Directory side. At least that side is is removed from you and you can focus in on the data. Um, so there's a little bit, you know, maybe less, a little less complexity, but that also equals a lot of complacency, uh, which is going to nip you anytime you get complacent. You know, that's when uh, bad things start to happen. Well, thanks very much, Doug. This has been really interesting and it's a really important topic. It's not been explored very much. And it, though this may, I'm sure it's out there somewhere in the Microsoft documentation, that they back up the service, but they don't necessarily back up your data. It's not, they don't, certainly don't shout it from the rooftops. So it's important to make people aware of this gap and, and the different ways that they need to prepare right away for any situation. Yep. You don't want to be one of those people that kind of get caught out uh, just because it, it's omitted in the documentation for a good reason, because it's not there in, in the functionality of a Zurich directory. 
<laughs> right. Well, thanks again, Doug. Really appreciate it. Always enjoy talking to you. Thanks for joining us on the Hybrid Identity Protection Podcast with Sean Duby. Be sure to subscribe at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen. Visit hipconf.com. That's H-I-P-C-O-N-F.com to learn about upcoming events, view expert presentations, and take part in the conversation.